This is 950 Feet Behind, a podcast about women standing out and breaking barriers in the business world. This podcast is brought to you by Outbound. Visit outboundsales.io to create your free account today. My name is Leonor, and I'll be your host for the season. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the podcast, 950 Feet Behind. Today, I'm here with the CEO of Scoremore Sales, also sales coach at Harvard Business School and amazing host of the podcast, Conversations with Women in Sales, Laurie Richardson. Thank you so much for joining me, Laurie. Oh, it's just such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, so I decided to start this podcast episodes with the same question because I want to know where it all began. So when you were a kid, what is the first thing you remember wanting to be when you grew up? Well, when I grew up, uh, I grew up in the 60s and most women were homemakers like my mom. She was a stay at home mom. And if you wanted to be anything, you probably would be a nurse or a teacher. And I actually wanted to be a teacher because I, I loved reading and I loved going to school. I just couldn't wait until school started in September every year. And I read books all summer. And um, so, I mean, I don't want to paint it, but I, I, you know, I had fun too. I ran around, I had four brothers and sisters but, um, but I really loved um, school. And so I wanted to become a teacher, which is ultimately what I did for a while. I worked with young children, uh, but I couldn't afford to keep that job when I became a single parent. And when I became a single parent, I needed um, a more, a, a more, you know, f not fulfilling, but just financially stronger uh, option for for raising a family, being the head of a household. Okay. Okay. And for how long were you a teacher of young children? So I, I had an interesting situation because I left high school early. Uh, and then I went and got my associate's degree so that I could, I could then become a teacher. And so I started working with kids, um, you know, probably when, well, I, my son was young. So I remember when I was working with two-year-olds and I had a class full of 12 two-year-olds with two assistants helping me. And, and that was in my early twenties. And, and so, you know, when I became a single mom, I did it a little while longer, but ultimately I was looking around for other options and that's when I thought, you know, I grew up in a family-run business. My grandmother had a clothing store. And maybe I could sell something technical because technology was really um, prominent in the, in the 80s. Um, you know, we started getting microcomputers, PCs on everybody's desk. This was before, you know, iPods and before iPhones and all that stuff. And so um, I got into the boom, the big tech boom of um, giving every, you know, getting a, putting a computer on everyone's desk at work. And that's really how it had, it all started. Okay. And how was it like doing that? So trying to like be part of the change while you were, well, raising a kid uh, on your own, how much pressure did that bring to the whole situation? 
Yeah, I think from the very start, and I think this is the same for anyone who is a parent and particularly a single parent, but all parents is that you learn to be efficient. And so you don't go to work and screw around. Um, you know, I went to work, I got my stuff done and I got out of there because I had, I had to be places and, and it's so easy to waste time. And I've, I've been around so many, um, colleagues who, you know, would talk and chat and, you know, play golf practice and different things. And they were not being productive. And so I, I just learned to do that. And I did some stuff at home in the evening. So when I was first in sales, there was no internet yet. And I went to the library to get research and to find out about companies and people to call. And, you know, we bought these big, thick books that we had lists of companies to call in. And so it was very different but I, you just find a way, you know, that's what you do when, when you have obligations and when you have deadlines and you have things to do is you figure it out and you find a way. And it really motivated me more than anything else. Yeah. So actually it did, it helped you the skills like of being a mother, having to organize everything on your own actually then helped you go in the business world, which I think most people think when you become a parent, work becomes more difficult but for you it was actually not the opposite but you had developed the skills as a mom to make it easier yeah it was hard but you know it it worked out and i have to say that my first job with some of the people i work with who i still keep in touch with some of them from way back um it was a great atmosphere and it didn't matter that i was a woman um i actually had a couple of female colleagues and we just were busy. We just sold stuff. You know, we helped businesses grow. And it wasn't until my next position at another company where I was the only and had never, they had never hired a woman in field sales. And, you know, that's when it kind of, I started seeing what the difference was being a woman in sales. Luckily for me, my first, first position was amazing. It was really, really fun. It was a great group of people. That's actually very comforting to hear because in the, the first episode, um, I heard atrocious stories about being a woman in sales, but for you, then it actually worked out fine. It didn't feel like discrimination for being well, a woman. Well, I did in the second working. one, but not the first. The first really confirmed my love of selling, I think, because I had I left teaching and I started in selling with no salary, you know, it was straight commission. And so I was scared about how effective that would be. And, you know, it went really well because the market was just booming. And so, um, but the next, the next position was, um, it was tough because it was held against me that I was a single parent and I was passed over for um, a promotion. And when our uh, business was uh, more difficult, when the economy was tougher, I was taken off of my account that I had built up uh, because, you know, they thought I couldn't travel and that I couldn't do the job. So oh, I definitely know what it felt like. I know what it was like to think about suing a company. And ultimately I didn't uh, because I, I, you know, for a number of reasons, um, that's probably a whole nother episode. Um, but I ended up going to the competition and we, you know, took the business back. So we, we got our, I got my client back 
um, working at another company. And that's how I solved that problem. And, and then the company that was giving me a hard time, they ultimately went out of business, but it had nothing to do with me. It was just more about the economy and how they manage things poorly. It was just a tiny bit of karma there. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> but... yeah. I didn't wish them anything bad, but <laughs> if it happened, it happened. Yeah, I watched from the yeah. side. <laughs> Silently clapping a bit. <laughs> but did I even have a conversation with you, like asking, you are a single parent, would you be able to do this? Or did they just assume? No, they said, we promoted so-and-so, my, my partner, uh, because uh, you have, you know, you have a kid to take care of and you have obligations and that's why. And so um, I had to point out to them that that was illegal <laughs> and even back then. And, um, and then from that point, it was not a pleasant uh, conversation because everything was documented and, you know, sent to me and and you know it, it was official so that's when things turned so that's why i say you know if if you're if you want to go where you're celebrated and not tolerated and i was tolerated at that time and i couldn't stand it and i know that there have been women in that situation where they don't feel empowered they don't feel like they're getting maybe even getting the same pay as their male counterpart They don't feel that there's, a, you know, the policies aren't right. Talked to a woman this week who is going out on maternity leave and is a sales manager and the company wasn't going to compensate her for anything more than her salary um, while she was gone. I know it's different in Europe um, and everywhere else in the world. Canada, you know, has a wonderful policy for leave, but this is up to the companies and this company You know, they just didn't have a plan probably because they didn't have a woman in sales leadership before. And she stood up and made suggestions and made a recommendation of, you know, I think this would be fair. I think this would be fair or this would be fair. And then they chose one. And so it's going to work out for her. But she's got to help make the change so that they put it in writing and that, you know, it becomes a real policy for the next woman who comes along. It's not like an oddity, like we'll just handle her separately but they need to put that in place to encourage more women in sales and in leadership definitely no i think that's the right thing to do and i'm so glad that she got it for herself and and for others in the future and i wasn't actually planning to ask anything more on the social side until the end but i have to ask you because i feel you're the perfect person to answer this do you think us as women are penalized more when we become mothers Uh, than we are when we're just single women in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, penalized, I'm not sure exactly, you know, it, I guess it varies. Um, people, it, it really depends on who you report to and who the leadership is in the company. If the leader is someone who is very understanding and, you know, there are some companies to point out that have really gone out of their way to put good policies in place for family leave and for both men and women and sales is always tricky because of ramp up times and deals that are open and then if something's closed when you're not there you know how do you benefit from that or not and so um it really goes to the leadership and who your immediate supervisor is and then also who 
what the policies and principles and ethos of the company is that you're working for. And it's really important to find the right company that you want to invest your time in and your energy, because in the end, um, you know, it's very much a two way street that they, they need to support you and show you the support and you support them and, and give them the support. Definitely, definitely. And now you are, well, a leader able to like spread this message and advocate for uh, other women. Uh, but when you were starting from the bottom, changing companies, working as an SDR and BDR, did you ever think uh, one day you would become the person you are today? Or where did you want your career to lead to? No, I just wanted to buy a house. <laughs> That's That was my, my big first goal. And I bought a house when I was 28. And that was pretty incredible for me, being that I had left home at 16. And I got out of a, you know, abusive relationship, ended up with my son. Um, but we, we fought the statistics, we didn't become just another bad statistic of, you know, single parenthood, and teenage momism. Um, but we ended up, um, you know, charting our, a course and, uh, it, you know, sales was a reason that that happened because I had a career in sales to fall back on. And did you immediately know you were going to like sales and you were going to be good at it? Or did you just think mm, there's the money? I'm just going to give it a go. Yeah, I thought I'd be good at it because I had a role model when I grew up. It was my grandmother. My grandmother had a women's apparel store. I grew up in Seattle. And um, she had several stores, um, one at a time, but the one that I worked for her at, I learned all about selling without really, it wasn't like I was being taught anything. I, I never felt like this was a lesson today or tomorrow. I just learned so much from watching her and learning. Uh, she was an entrepreneur and she um, had a very successful career and I just watched her and just learned. So when it came to selling, I just knew I could. And I don't think most women, maybe most people have that feeling. So I wasn't overly worried. I mean, I was leaving a, a, a lowly paying job to go to something where I get nothing until I sell things and with a couple of months of guarantee. And luckily you know all went well and uh and i worked hard too so i i earned it and also um it was just a really great time to to get into technology and by the way i never learned really strong technology i mean people will say oh, i couldn't sell tech you know i wasn't good in math it doesn't matter if, if you're good in sales you could sell most anything not everything but most anything and so I always was the kind of person that would get the sales engineer if someone needed more technical um, information. I believe, and I still believe this and believed it for many years, that if you have the, the ability to connect people together and to follow up with them and to encourage them and to give them reasons why you can help them, uh, you don't need technical uh, or really strong industry knowledge. Yeah, I actually uh, heard that from uh, another guest as well. And she also pointed out that 
women are better at selling because they're not as egotistical as most men. So they have more openness to listen instead of speaking all the time. Do you feel women deep down are better sellers than men? My opinion is that it doesn't matter if women are better or not. If they're equal, if they're just as good, then why don't we have half women, half men in professional selling and sales leadership? I'm not choosing that uh, debate right now because it doesn't really matter. It makes people more uh, upset than anything to have a debate about the sexes. I just know women can be great. Um, sales isn't for everyone. It's not for every woman. It's not for every man. And there are ways that you can assess people's skills and abilities. And so I go by the data uh, rather than, than who's better at it. But I do know that uh, especially all the sales programs in the United States uh, at universities and colleges I know that women are really excelling in those programs and, um, and, and what women, what we need to learn as women is to transfer those skills of knowledge into networking and connecting and getting mentors and getting sponsors and companies so that we can rise in organizations as well as men do. Yeah, I, I think that's a very valid point. If they are as good, why is it not a, a 50 50 uh, right. field? And why is the pay not the same um, right. either? So I, I think you're uh, spot on uh, on that. And also you talk a lot about uh, technology and I you worked with top technology companies uh, and you say you're not like a, a pro in technology. So how do you integrate it in your everyday work and your everyday life? I just, you know, I've always built great networks of people. My gift is that I'm a people collector. And um, I, I, am, I know some of the most amazing people in the world and some of the most amazing people in business. And I talk to them every week because... I keep track of people and I, I follow up with people I worked with 20 years ago and I follow up with people that I coached a year ago or two years ago. And I just think it's really important that that connection with people, um, people, if you are on their mind or, you know, they're thinking about you, it's just like in, in the old days, we used to drop in on a company. We would go to see our, our client. And as soon as they see you, they go, Oh, I was just thinking about you. I should, you know, we should order this, whatever this thing is. And we don't normally do that in our brains. We're not always, I'm not always going to think about you tomorrow or the next day and vice versa. But when I send you a note or when you send me a note, you know, that's what makes us go, oh yeah. And it keeps those connections going and following up with people is one of the most critical things you can do in professional selling, just to let them know I was thinking of you. And not like, and I'm checking in, I'm following up. It's, it's you know, I thought about, uh, a, there's a new podcast coming out. I thought you might want to know about that. And to add value to people's lives. And that's what I think we're here for. So you think that a genuine connection and building a genuine relationship with people um, will help you ultimately sell more and, and have a more successful business and being 
that aggressive strategy of following up for the sake of trying to close a deal? Yeah, I mean, I know people that are very much more deal focused and um, I'm focused on uh, every, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, as a business owner, I, you know, I sell every week myself and I prospect every week uh, myself. And I just have the mindset of helping others and focusing on others first. So if I do that, then I learn about them and I can be more helpful even because that's the goal. And when I find out that I haven't helped someone, there's a client that didn't benefit from the services that I sold them. I, I want to fix it. You know, I feel like something went wrong. They, they didn't follow through or I didn't follow up as well as I should have. And I, you know, I want to know, because to me, the ultimate is for someone to say, we worked with Lori and score more sales or women's sales pros and really benefited from them. You know, we are a better company because of it. And, and if not, it's, it's just money. It's not, it, it doesn't, making money just doesn't do it for me. It, it may for some people, but that's just a tool. And there's much more gratification if you can work with people that appreciate your help and support. I, I think the world would benefit a big amount if everyone had that mentality. Um, because yeah, money only gets you so far, but to feel like you've actually helped someone grow, uh, that's a lot more important. Uh, I definitely agree. But as a, as a business owner, right? Um, how do you, first of all, when did you decide, okay, I've worked for great companies. I have all the experience, but I'm going to put all that aside and just start my own business. I was actually downsized. So it was the first time in my whole career that I had been let go of a company. And the reason it was my last corporate job, actually, I still keep in touch with the CEO and president and um, many of the executives uh, because they were about to be acquired. And what I did at that time, I was running a corporate university for them. I had built an inside sales team and they were being acquired by a company that had all those services and I had a big salary. And so they had to cut costs, you know, so at, when they're planning on being acquired or whatever, it's all a top secret, of course. And I just knew my boss told me that I was going to be let go, you know, in a day or two. So I at least had enough time to think. And I talked with the president of the company and I said, did, you know, do you like the services that I provide? And he said, Oh yeah, it's great. I said, you just don't want to pay for them. Is that right? And he said, yeah, pretty much, you know, I got to cut costs. And so they became my first client. And so I, I was in Boston at the time. I kept my office and I got to uh, work there until I ended up moving back to the West Coast as planned. And I it, it really helped me to launch my business, actually. So I had this beautiful office in downtown Boston and I was, you know, I was an early entrepreneur and it, it just, I just really appreciate it looking back. It, it really gave me a, a good way to start on my own. And many were surprised that I, you know, continued it and didn't just get another job, you know, a year or two later that, you know, it's been, it's been 20 years now. This is my 20th, 20th year in, in business for myself. So you, you, yeah. 
Absolutely. And you say in your LinkedIn profile that you're one of the people who grabs uh, lemons and makes lemonade. But it seems to me like you grabbed apples or oranges and still made lemonade off it with two or three days to think. And you just decided, you know what? I'm starting my own business. Yeah. That is unbelievable. I, I don't know anyone who can say that. <laughs> That's some thinking under pressure I mean, there. I could feel bad for a month, but, you know, let's just turn it... Because people always say it's nothing personal when if you, anyone that's ever lost their job, it is so personal and it's such a joke when people say that, you know, but we want you to pack your box and go out the door. Now I didn't have to do that, but I worked with some younger people because um, I wasn't, you know, I was a, a little older when I was in that role, but um, there were people in their twenties that were told, you know, we've eliminated your position um, you know, you got to pack your stuff and we'll walk you out the door like right then. And I think that was traumatic for a lot of people. I think it's bad business. Uh, I would never do it to anyone else. Um, I just think it's really poor that you don't trust the people enough that you've been, that you've been employing all this time to give them, you know, a few hours to do some things. And, um, I just didn't like anything about it. And I was happy to, to go off and leave corporate at that point. But it's, um, you know, it's a new day in business because of the remote aspect now. And we need to trust our employees and we need to, um, we need to find companies to work for that, that we can trust and that believe in us. And that's why I think it's so important who your immediate supervisor is and who runs a company and what their vision is and what their morals and their ethics stand for, because that's what women care about. So women in sales roles care about their professional development. Like what am I going to get in terms of stretching and, and growing? And also what do you believe in? Because if you do shady stuff, I don't want to work here. Definitely. I think that is a, a very, um, female concern, the, the ethical part, um, which maybe males don't have as much. And thus we're almost hitting uh, the 30-minute mark, and I cannot believe it. Uh, I'm, I'm incredibly blue. surprised. <laughs> incredibly surprised. Uh, but before uh, we go, I really want to know, you work with so many women, and you're such an advocate for women in B2B sales and in leadership. Um, what have you learned from working with women? What do you think we've learned as a society in general? And what do you think we still have to do uh, to make it a field where women can excel? Well, one of the things I'm happiest about is the fact that now there are about a dozen or, or more women in sales groups and there are more voices. So it used, I mean, 10 years ago, it was just a few of us saying the same things and the people rolling their eyes like, oh, there she goes again. We don't have enough women on the main stage, you know? And as we would say, we would call people out and it wasn't just me, it was Jill Conrath and Trish Bertuzzi. And we'd say, where are the women on your stage for your conference? And, and you know, it caused a lot of bad feelings and um, I'm just thrilled that there are more voices now and there, there are women on TikTok and there are women on Instagram and there are women, uh, you know, with their groups and associations. And we list all of them at, at 
you know, she sells summit and also women's sales pros were really championing all the groups and organizations and websites and communities that embrace more women in sales. So I just say, um, you know, find your tribe, find a place that you feel like your voice is being heard and, you know, support all the, all the women and say all the women and men allies who are championing change that are encouraging more inclusive, healthy sales teams. Cause that's what we need. And what is your advice for women who are listening to this right now and considering, should I go into sales or should I wait a bit longer until things are a bit more equal? What would you tell them? No, no. Sales is an amazing profession. Um, sales is a helping profession. If you find the right people to work for and get coached by so that you learn and grow, you, you will have skills for life. And, and I think you know this to be true because These are things, everything we learn in selling, we can apply in our personal lives and improve them. Communication and negotiation and um, listening skills and empathy. Those are all things that we need anyway. So I think every woman, if she can, should spend a couple years in a sales role as she's coming out of school or getting her first um, position. Learn about sales because it will help you as an entrepreneur later. Uh, or it will help you climb the corporate ladder and, and sell your ideas to people on your way up. There's no downside. Yeah, I think that's that's very right. And well, if our listeners are still not convinced, I do highly recommend conversations with women in sales uh, because I think they will be sold on your idea after they listen to one or two episodes, uh, without a doubt. Laurie, thank you once again for joining me. Uh, time just flew by and I do think we need a season two for you to tell me all the Anytime. stories that you said would not fit in this half an hour um, because I definitely like to chat with you again and I think everyone uh, would like to listen to you. Um, as for our listeners, we are coming back next week with the CEO at the Village Workspace and Global Guru for Internet Marketing, Gina Schreck. I'll see you then.